What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always with my two co-hosts, John Kegley and David Drogemeyer, three writers from San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, who have been covering the Chargers for three seasons now. But this was our first with the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. Well, last week, guys, we talked about all the free agent signings the Chargers did and didn't make and how we felt about it so far and grading each individual deal. So on today's show, I do want to talk about what the Chargers' biggest needs are. But first, we obviously just found out today that Rob Gronkowski is retiring from the NFL after nine seasons, which isn't a ton of surprise if you followed that closely at all. And then at the end of the show, I want to get into all the players that we are going to start looking at as far as the NFL draft, but more specifically, what type of players are we looking at and trying to scout? Where do we want the Chargers to take them and how they could potentially keep filling this team out to get a better product on the field in 2019? But let's start with Gronk, guys, because this has been the biggest story right now as we're recording this. Rob Gronkowski has retired, obviously one of the best tight ends of all time. It's hard to kind of discuss that because he only played in nine seasons but when your team has a hall of famer in antonio gates who has the most touchdowns of all time by a tight end you're forced to talk about it because these comparisons will obviously be made because if you think about it guys if they both retire if antonio gates has not come back to the chargers these two guys are going to be on the same hall of fame ballot in five years So that's kind of an interesting discussion because I think people think of Rob Gronkowski as, you know, one of the most talented tight ends of all time, David. But I I think we also had a pretty good one of our own. I mean, there's no question about the fact that we had one of the most incredibly talented and just naturally smooth, gifted tight ends of our generation. I think as the numbers will show, Antonio Gates and Rob Gronkowski had some very incredible careers. John, tell us a little bit about those numbers, my man. Well, so far, what I've broken down is during Gronk's nine seasons, he has had 115 games with 521 receptions, 7,861 yards with 79 touchdowns. The averages are 4.53 receptions a game with 68.35 yards and .69 touchdowns. Now, if you were to look at Gates' career, he played more seasons. So you have to go with his first nine seasons in the league, in which he had 132 games, 593 receptions, 7,783 yards, and 76 TDs. The averages for that, Bronx was 4.53. Gates' receptions a game, 4.45. Gronk's receiving yards a game. 68.35, Gates was 58.96, and for touchdowns, Gronk was 0.69, Gates was 0.57. So Gronk's numbers per game average were higher, but you can also argue that he had Belichick and Brady, but those numbers are still pretty high. Well, the numbers are ridiculously high, but I think it shows you that there wasn't as much of a gap between these players Antonio Gates put up those numbers, I mean, in more games in nine seasons, but the averages are really what stands out. And is there any more fitting number for Rob Gronkowski to end up with averaging 0.69 touchdowns per game for his career? I know he's going to be happy with that. I'm not 
I'm not sure, but I think it might have even played into the decision on retirement. But no, I think both of these guys are obvious Hall of Famers to me. But if they're both on the first ballot together, I don't know if they put in two tight ends on the first ballot, but 0.7 basically touchdowns per game from a tight end is absolutely ridiculous. And I think what it comes down to is he didn't have the longevity of his career to put up the kind of overall numbers that Antonio Gates did. But when he was healthy, he was one of the most dominant tight ends we've ever seen. And I don't think that can really be argued. He was a huge weapon. He was just the next evolution of those receiving tight ends that Tony Gonzalez and Antonio Gates really started. I mean, I don't know if either one of them's the best ever. I think you could make that argument for both. But I think when you talk about Antonio Gates' total career, I think that Rob Gronkowski just simply didn't play long enough to really, you know, garner that kind of respect. It's all really what ifs with Rob Gronkowski on if he was the best ever, because we all know that injuries really sidelined his career. But, you know, when the Patriots are the team that knocked you out of the playoffs, when you see a move like this, it is a big blow to a team that you're directly competing with in the playoffs in the team that knocked you out last year. David, do you think that this closes the gap at all between the Chargers and the Patriots? I mean, looking at this past year, uh, Rob Gronkowski really wasn't that big of an impact in the game that the Chargers and the Patriots played. I mean, really, Julian Edelman was the, the culprit there, and obviously the zone defense against Tom Brady. But whenever you lose a player of that caliber, of that skill level, obviously it's going to hurt you. It, it, it's, it, it, it's never beneficial to lose a star. So... Does it close the gap a little bit? By default, absolutely it does. Now, a lot, no, because, again, you still got Tom Brady and still got Bill Belichick. Uh, but, you know, you respect Rob Kronkowski for the type of player he was. Uh, and, you know, I think for Rob, you know, he was a great blocker as well as a, gr- a great receiver. So, you know, it definitely hurts the Patriots. So does it close the gap, Daniel? I think it closes the gap a little bit, but not enough. Well, what it does do, in my opinion, is it lets you free up Derwin James a little bit more because I think you knew in that first game that Derwin James was going to get a a handful of Rob Gronkowski because that's the only player the Chargers could put out there that remotely measures up at least physically with a guy like that, at least as much as anyone can, John. But it is a blow. I think obviously... I think what most people are saying on Twitter is, hey, it was the scheme that beat them. It was not the players on the field. Well, yes, you are 100% correct that the Chargers' defensive game plan going into that game in Foxborough was terrible, and they paid for it. I mean, especially early. They just got absolutely destroyed in that first half, and it wasn't pretty. But at the same time, when you have to pay so much attention to Rob Gronkowski, even when he's not making big plays— Now, if you can focus more on a guy like Julian Edelman and a guy like James White out of the backfield, that changes the equation a little bit to me, John. Well, we also got to remember Rob Gronkowski didn't play defense because the Chargers couldn't even move the ball. They had one pretty big play of a blown coverage to Keenan Allen for a touchdown. And other than that, they couldn't move the ball until the Patriots started playing the prevent defense to run the clock down. So you can say Gronk's a blow. He isn't a blow whatever argument you want to make, but the Chargers didn't move the ball either. So unless you can move the ball, it don't matter what happens to the Patriots offense. Yeah, it looks like it's a blow, but 
Belichick's just going to get another tight end somewhere and make him a star just as much. Not as big of a star, but he'll make him a star too. And that offense will be just right back to where it was before. So I don't really consider it that big of a blow, especially if it's Chargers versus Patriots. Because unless you can figure out a scheme against the Patriots' defense and Belichick's brain, it don't matter what the Patriots' offense has. Well, and I think one of the things the Patriots are so good at is kind of evolving around what they have. I mean, they missed Rob Gronkowski in many games over his career, and they still found a way to win a lot of those games. Yes, Tom Brady's numbers aren't as good when Rob Gronkowski is not on the field, but now Bill Belichick has the whole offseason to figure out another way to beat people, and that's what he's going to do. And I just think if you're the Chargers, there's just nothing at this point until you actually do it or your team looks so incredible that you can't find the holes like we did last year, you know, before the impending doom that we saw. There's just too many. There's just no way you're going to feel confident that that gap has closed until the Chargers actually finish it off and beat the Patriots. But I do have some more things to get into as far as how the Chargers have addressed their free agency so far and what their biggest needs are coming up right after this. All right, guys, now I want to get into the Chargers free agency so far and what they've done, what they haven't done, and what they still need to do and the biggest holes we'll have going forward. So let's start, John. Let's talk about Tom Telesco and what he's done. There's still a lot of needs on both sides of the ball, in my opinion. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of needs. Just just name a few. you got offensive line. The defensive line still is not fixed. Even though you signed Brandon Yvain back, he's not a fix at all. He's literally just a locker room presence. That's it. He's not a fix on the football field. You still got to find your safety. You got to find somebody to take uh, Tyrell Williams' spot on the offense. So there's a lot of needs that you still have to go through. But I love what Telesco said. You don't need to spend a bunch of money to fill spots. Yeah, a lot of these big-name guys take a lot of contracts, but we saw it happen just by giving Donald Butler a big contract. And some of these guys just get the contract and slack. Mario Williams is a good example of that. When he got the big contract from the Buffalo Bills after leaving the Texans, he had, didn't do anything past that, and he hasn't really been a name in the league since. So you got to find those guys that want to play for a decent price, and Telesco knows how to find that. Well, and Telesco actually gave his side of the story because obviously he's heard the backlash and there's always going to be about fans, you know, wanting the big names and just for the team to spend money, even if they don't really have it. And Eric Williams reported that Tom Telesco said, if you could buy a championship, everybody would do it. We're fine where we are. Just check our record at the end of the year. We're not really judged by the off season. We're judged by how we play in the fall and what our record is. All right, well, David, when you hear that, I mean, I think I agree to an extent and I get what he's trying to say, but what do you think about what Tom Telesco had to say there? I mean, when I first read it, I was like, man, there's a little, kind of a little bit of an arrogance coming off of Tom Telesco oh, with, yeah. this, with, with this type of uh, of a quote. So I was like, uh, okay, but I mean, how, on the other side of the coin, they did just come off of a 12-4 and four season, so... Uh, so, hey, I mean, he, he has a little bit of room to back up what he's saying, but it just came off as a little arrogant to me, especially because, you know, as we mentioned before, there are several holes that the Chargers have yet to fill and have yet to kind of on, honestly have yet to fill since Tom Telesco has been the GM of the Chargers. He has never put a premium really on either of the lines, the defensive line or the offensive line. 
And those still remain very, very big problems for this team. So, I mean, I get, I get why he said what he said. And, I, and yeah, I, I understand. I mean, part of his philosophy was, hey, we're going to build the draft and retain our own guys, which, you know, I mentioned earlier, he hasn't really done as much as I would want him to. But, you know, hey, you know, obviously the draft is a big place for, you know, filling needs. Uh, we're just going to have to see where he's going to fill those needs and what rounds. And uh, we'll hear a little bit more about that coming up here pretty soon. Yeah, for me, Tom Telesco, I don't mind some arrogance. I think he's done a good job with the players that he's been able to put on this team. And at a certain point, the coaching staff has to be held responsible for what those players do on the field. But we went into last season thinking, hey, they didn't do enough on this defensive line to get things done when it really matters most. And that proved to be true. You know, maybe if Corey Legion doesn't get hurt, we think about it a little bit differently. He was playing pretty well, but there have been times where how do you go into the season knowing that Jaleel Adai is basically your free safety right now and being okay with that or having Joe Barksdale being your starting right tackle to go into the season and having that melt down in your face. So, John, it's not like we haven't seen these plans backfire before. Yeah, they definitely have backfired. It's been a lot of trial and error too, but I think there's also – a part of Tom Telesco that's actually trying to find that real piece that fits for the right price and he can't find it. So he settles for what's the next best thing. And most of the time it's not a great thing. So for example, Joe Barksdale is probably the, the best he could get for a, a, the price he got. And yeah, it didn't work out as well, but just imagine what he would have gotten if he would have settled for something less. It could have been way worse. I'm not saying it's a great signing, but I think Telesco is literally being is a picky guy with fitting schemes and stuff. And I think the head coach could be a part of this too. I think the head coach is probably telling him, I want a guy that can do this kind of disability with this skill or something like that. And Telesco is trying to find it for that price. And if he doesn't find it, then the coach's scheme doesn't work as well. I just, it's infuriating that we go into this season with the same biggest needs that we had last season. Last season, we were talking about a terrible run defense, and we said we needed guys up front that were going to make a difference. It didn't get addressed in free agency. It didn't get addressed in the draft. Then you need really both safety positions last year, and they you know, filled one of those in the draft. But you also knew that Jaleel Adai at free safety wasn't the best fit for him, and you didn't address it. My thing is, yes, your record does matter at the end of the year, David, but at the same time, the record really doesn't matter because for this team, the one thing that they need is a Super Bowl. That's You have to be 1-0 winning Super Bowls to really make a huge difference. Yes, you know, being good and making deep playoff runs is good, but this team has had successful playoff runs that got, have gotten ended short of a Super Bowl. And, you, you know, you can feel good about it, but you're not getting a Super Bowl. So at the end of the day, unless you're putting the pieces together to have a Super Bowl contender and not just a team that can make the playoffs, it's not good enough. And that's kind of why I had a little bit of a problem with the arrogance that I kind of got off of this quote is because how many championships did the Chargers have? Zero. Zero. So until that changes, I really don't want to hear or see any type of arrogance until that is fixed. Because you don't play the game to be successful in the regular season. Because it doesn't mean anything. You play to win championships. And so far, 
according to that measuring stick, the Chargers at the, are at the bottom of the totem pole. Well, well and to be, if, to be in that argument, the Rams basically filled a lot of their needs and bought basically their team, and they ended up losing the Super Bowl, so it goes both ways, too. Yeah, but they made it to a Super Bowl. I think you would buy a, a team if you have a good chance of making it to the Super Bowl. I mean, how, I mean, the Chargers only have one Super Bowl appearance. You would happily take that. But at the, what I'm saying, though, is he says, hey, we're going to be judged by our record at the end of the season. But it's not really that. You're going to be judged on whether you can win a Super Bowl. You know, yes, you know, people will talk about it and say, hey, Tom Plesko is a good GM for building a you know, a talented roster, but until you win a Super Bowl, it's hard to excuse total arrogance, even though you like it when everything's good. But when this team, if they fall short again, I don't think he's going to have be able to make those kind of statements so confidently without actually putting his credentials on the table and saying, look, this is what I've done. I built a Super Bowl caliber team. And right now he hasn't done that. And you have to make hard decisions. You have to be able to find diamonds in the rough and all of that could still happen. But we well, still and in need- fairness, too, there has been injuries. So, like, for example, addressing the offensive line, we did get Forrest Lamp, but he went down. We have better weapons on the offense, like Hunter Henry, but he went down. So I, I think that's also a case you can make, too, that he puts the pieces in there and sometimes they get hurt. So there's also questions about has he actually put them there and they're just not playing yet. Right, and he might have. But the thing is, is though, even though that's all what-ifs, that's not something you can say, oh, I did this. That's saying, oh, you know, I did this, but then they got injured. So you Because we don't know if all of those pieces would make this a Super Bowl team. We really just don't know. And that's the little problem I have with the arrogance. But I understand the overall point that he's saying. You can't go out and buy big names just to, you know, appease the fans when they could blow up in your face like Donald Butler or Orlando Franklin or, you know, Derek Cox for that matter. You can't buy a team you just have to be able to fill it out the smartest way and hey you know maybe tom telesco has a plan and we just have to wait to the till the draft to see what it is but i do want to get into the draft and talk about the guys that we want to target in the upcoming draft and the guys we're going to be scouting coming up right after this right guys what's basically draft season there's mock drafts everywhere and everyone is getting excited about all the potential in the world their team could acquire in the draft and i think especially for cap needy teams like the chargers who don't have a lot of cap space to work with this is how you get better this is how the patriots get better and the best teams do it they build in the draft and that is something the chargers have been able to do and this one is going to be very important if they're going to be the put the finishing touches on a good team that could potentially be a couple pieces away from being a great team, and that could be filled in the draft. So with what we've seen so far in free agency, I think we have an idea of the type of players that we're going to be looking at and how much of importance we want the Chargers to put on those players. So obviously these are the needs for your team. You maybe need a receiver to replace Tyrell Williams. You obviously need a right tackle more than likely you need a defensive tackle you need a free safety those are the big ones but there's obviously a couple other positions that they need and they might have to double dip john and get two players at the same position because you can only pick so many high players that are you know almost sure things 
Yeah, it's really hard to find that sure thing player. I mean, for example, Jamarcus Russell, Ryan Leaf, number one overall picks, bust, Tom Brady, a round six draft pick is considered the greatest of all time. You don't know where you're going to get that value. You're just taking chances based on what you've seen. And so personally, if I'm going to this draft, I'm taking what we see depth-wise. So what's the deepest position in the draft? And what are, what are these players that are in the first round that are really good fit our scheme? And going off of that, right now, I'm kind of wanting to go with offensive tackle first round just because the draft is not always deep at the offensive tackle position. You tend to see more big names in the first two rounds offensive-wise, and the last ones usually make the roster for like two years and get cut. So I'd rather go for that. You'll find plenty of defensive linemen and maybe safeties in the ne- the next few rounds. So I'd rather go offensive tackle first. I think I'm somewhat in line with that thinking because I think that that's a position that you need to nail. So if one of the guys, whether it's Dalton Risner out of Kansas State or whether it's Andre Dillard out of Washington State, there's some talented guys that, you know, have been projected to possibly fall to the Chargers. You have to make sure you're getting the guy that you want there, David. But I'm okay with the Chargers spending a first-round pick on tackle if that's the one that that's the guy that they feel is going to actually be able to be a five-year starter. But if not, if one of those talented defensive tackles is there, it's going to be very hard to pass up. For me, Daniel, I think it's line no matter what, whether that be offensive line or defensive line. I think you know that has kind of been put on the back burner. The last couple of years, and I think, you know, with Phillip Rivers getting older, we need a real stud on the offensive line, or we need a really aggressive young star on the defensive line. So no matter who the player is, it's got to be a a talent on the offensive or defensive line very, very early in this draft. John, do you think there's any chance that we could see the Chargers go outside of the trenches on that first pick? Well, knowing that it's the Chargers, probably. The Chargers love <laughs> the Charger. But uh, it really depends on what they see because Telesco always has these weird things of finding guys that are in the third round or fifth round or whatever that are like, okay, we got this guy. Let's not worry about him. Let's talk about the first and second round guys. And then later in the season, we're talking about that fifth round guy being a star. So, I can see them probably doing it, but offensive and defensive line are probably going to be the guy. There's guys like Jerry Tillery out of Notre Dame on the defensive line and Dexter Lawrence, even Christian Wilkins, who could be first, maybe second round pick. So I can see them going for one of those guys. And then offensive wise, you mentioned Andre Dillard. There's even Cody Ford out of Oklahoma. So I think they would have to go after those guys. There's plenty of safeties in the second and third round that you can go after like Taylor Rapp out of Washington who you can get maybe in the second, third round. Yeah, I think if the first three rounds went safety, defensive tackle, offensive tackle, you know, not necessarily in that order. If you can get the talent that you want out of those three picks, I think that would be huge for the Chargers. And I wouldn't even really mind if, you know, then they tried to find the diamond in the rough in the fourth or the fifth round picks like they've been able to do and, you know, fill holes that way. But I know, you know, receiver might be a position they try to draft in this draft. You don't have a guy on the roster that's going to be able to simulate what Tyrell Williams' production was. 
But at the same time, you could find a guy who's talented enough to come in and make a contribution in his rookie season. I think you do that. There's obviously some unknowns there as far as Jeremy Davis, Dylan Cantrell, who still really hasn't played at all. And then Arteva Scott, who's gotten injured a couple of times and has been really close to being on this team and actually being able to play some receivers. So I'm excited to look at some wide receivers. But there's also, if you want to talk about the draft guys, there's guys like Nikhil Harry who could be first round, maybe second round if he somehow falls. But I've seen most of them be in the late first round. And then Paris Campbell in the third round, that dude's got a lot of speed. It's basically Travis Benjamin without being as scared of getting hit. Yeah, I mean, and you could find a burner like that in the draft, possibly in the later rounds too, and then hopefully develop him into more. But I think receivers another position that you could see the Chargers try try to address in this draft because they do want to replace that production, and it would maybe you know let them cut Travis Benjamin, which we all want more than anything. So I think those are all good positions, but I think the Chargers. David, the one thing that has kind of bothered me is just, you know, you have these holes now. And now, you know, if a team wants a tackle in the first round, maybe they're trading in front of you because now you they know you want to tackle. You could say the same thing about the interior defensive linemen. Your needs are so apparent to me that you have to hit on pretty much every draft pick. You have to at least come out of this draft with three starters potentially in this season. And other teams also know you need that. Yeah, no, it definitely puts you at a little bit of a disadvantage. But, I mean, if if the Chargers are doing their homework, then they know what, you know, other teams' needs are as well. I mean, obviously, since they did pretty well last year, they are drafting really late in the first round. I mean, they're 28th. So, I mean, they're uh, gonna really going to have to hope that there's some value uh, that's there. Although, I believe the Chargers are going to get a comp pick for Tyrell Williams, so maybe they can, you know – if they see a player that they really want, they can you know put to, put a trade together and, and go get a guy they really need. But for me, uh, I mean, I think they really need more than one defensive lineman. So I would really like to see them draft at least two of those guys. But yeah, obviously, I think we all know that the needs are all are, are all pretty apparent. You need help on the offensive line. You need a lot of help on the defensive line. You need an, a true free safety, and you probably need to pick up a wide receiver. But I think all of those can be hit on in the draft. I mean, it's really just going to have to be them putting a premium on positions that they absolutely need to address. So hopefully they go ahead and go out there and do it. Yeah, and then the last position I'll talk about is linebacker. I'd definitely like to see the Chargers find a younger guy with, with a you know heavily injured Denzel Perryman and an older Thomas Davis to kind of be an athletic guy behind those guys so you don't just have – age and fragility at that position. I think they could maybe come away with a decent one later on like they did with Jatavis Brown. But that is going to wrap things up for today's show. I'm very excited to get into this draft coverage and start looking at some potential future chargers. There's a lot of guys to look at and a lot of talent at a lot of positions. So we'll be getting more into the draft and any other signings that the chargers make in free agency later on in the week. But until then, make sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC and to like the Facebook page, Locked On Chargers. Make sure to subscribe to us on Himalaya or iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from. And the easiest way to listen to your podcast is by telling your smart device when you get in your car to play podcast Locked On Chargers. It's fast. 
it's easy. It'll play the latest episode that we publish, and it's really just the best way to do it because our shows are about the time it takes most people to get to work. But tell us what you guys think about the draft coming up. Tell us what you think the Chargers did right and wrong in free agency by calling the Locked On Chargers voicemail line at 323-524-7924 so you can get your voice on the show. We play every voicemail, but we'll talk to you guys later on in the week. Take it easy and go Bolts.